0: welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message that I gave on Sunday morning, August 13th, 2023, from the book of Ecclesiastes. I have a question. I'm going to start out with a softball here so you get a chance to respond, and this is an actual respond out loud question. Okay, here we go do you want to enjoy your life? Yes. It seems like a softball. Seems like a really easy yes for everybody. But I do have to say, we do need to be honest about that because sometimes, you know, you meet people and you're like, I don't even think they want to enjoy their life. They just love to get a good fuss on. A love, they love a good grump. You know, they, they just want to fuss. And so let's be honest about that. Do you want to enjoy your life? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Here's the next question, maybe not as enthusiastic. How's it going? (laughs) How are you at it? How how good are you at enjoying your own life? Do you know how to? And somebody might say, well, that's a really weird question. When things are going great, I enjoy it, right? And when things are not going great, then I very much do not enjoy it. Okay, we're going to get into a different kind of idea here, which is what if... In the middle of struggle and confusion and problems and unfairness and sickness and in pain, what if even then you were really skillful at enjoying your life? What if enjoying your life is an art and you could get good at it? Okay, we're talking about the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament as we close out the summer and head into the fall. Ecclesiastes, for, um, for anybody that's maybe new, Ecclesiastes is just a big old word that means like a gathering or an assembly. And it's this old man at the end of his life, and he's getting all these people together, and he's saying, Look, I lived it all. I did it all. I have learned the hard way, and I want to help you skip to the end. Get the answers at the back of the book. I want to show you how to live a skillful life. And I want you to be able to to skip the pitfalls and the problems that I did and just learn it. And so he has this, he has a lot of themes that he teaches the teacher Um, in, in how to live a skillful life. And one of the things he says over and over again in this book, 38 times in fact, is that people pour their energy and their effort and their skill and their money and their hopes into things that are smoke. They just don't last. It's like they're trying to grab smoke and put it in their pocket and save some for later. There's so much of this stuff that's just transient and temporary and it doesn't last and people are chasing it. They're chasing after smoke, he says. Another huge theme in this book is not only that, but you can't avoid pain and problems. You can't pain-proof your life. You don't get to, like, order your life like you would on a menu. You don't get to say, like, well, today I would like three hours of mirth and only two and a half minutes of sorrow. You know, and some fries on the side. Like you don't get to do that with your life. You don't get to avoid struggles and sickness and problem and pain and unfairness and all. You don't get to avoid that stuff. You don't know when tragedy is going to strike. You don't know what's going to happen. I was talking with Tom earlier this week and we were talking about um, there's this verse in chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. And I was thinking about it on Monday Um, because in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it says... When clouds are full of water, they pour down rain. And when a tree falls in the woods, either to the north or the south, wherever it falls, there it lies. I'm like, if you don't believe the Bible's true, I mean, that's about as true as it gets right there. But that was a problem for me on Monday because I was going to the grocery store. I'm sitting in my car and I'm trying to go in there. And all of a sudden, some of you all remember just torrential downpour on Monday. It was like the rain was angry. And then I'm and the roundup being like tornadoes in the Knoxville area. It was crazy. And I'm in the grocery store. I finally just hoofed it in there. And I got a notification on my phone that said there's going to be 80 mile an hour winds. Now, those of you who have been to my house or know the history of my house, there's a lot of woods behind our house. There's like an acre of just oak trees and maple trees and hackberry trees and stuff. And a couple of them have landed on my house from time to time. We still live there. It's totally fine. Everything's fine. But when I see torrential downpour and 80-mile-an-hour winds, I mean, I am like, oh, no. As the Bible says, when a tree falls to the north or the south, there it lies. And so, you know, but you can't avoid this stuff. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't avoid tragedy and problems. And the, and the, the teachers kind of response to this whole thing. He's like, look, everybody's going after smoke and nobody knows what's going to happen. By the way, everything that you achieve or pile up for yourself, all the degrees you have and all the money you make and all the cool stuff you buy, you don't get to keep any of it. You don't know what's gonna happen. You don't get to keep your stuff. And almost everybody is pouring all their energy into stuff that does not matter or at all or that they can't keep. Okay, so what do we do? Okay, this is what the teacher says to do. Ready? This is in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. By the way, Judy Sharp gave me another large print Bible this morning. Whatever. Okay, Judy. Um, I deserve it. Uh, This is Ecclesiastes chapter 5. This is what the teacher says This is what I have observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot, and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. And then this is in chapter 8. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. The teacher says, you know, most people think that in order for me to be happy, then in order for me to enjoy my life, then joyful things have to be happening to me. Bad things happen to me and good things happen to me. When good things happen, I'm happy. When bad things happen, I'm not. And the teacher says, no, you don't know what's going to happen at all, ever. And you don't get to keep any of your stuff. And everybody's chasing after smoke. So here's what I'm telling you. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of your toil, in the midst of unfairness and struggle and pain and tears and sickness, figure out how to enjoy your life. Learn how to do it. What if enjoying your life is an art? By the way, um, and my artist friends in the room will be glad that I'm saying this out loud because we we all have this chip on our shoulder, but art is work. Art is absolutely work. People, like, when you can draw or you can play an instrument or you can sing or something like that, people, like today, people are going to go up to Sarah Hepler and they're going to say, that was so lovely, you're so talented, and she will tell you, I am in school learning how to do this. I've spent a lot of time, people ask me um, all the time, like, hey, do you think my kid could be good at guitar? And I'm like, I don't know, will they? That's the question, (laughs) will they? Somebody's like, look at that painting, that's so cool, you're so talented. No, I worked hard to figure out how to do this. It is work, art is work. The talent piece that somebody has in any art is about the smallest piece of that puzzle. Then they spend time developing it and getting repetitions and putting in the work to learn how to be that kind of singer or that kind of keyboard player or that kind of painter. Art is work, and some people are like, I'm just not talented, I couldn't do it. Well, you don't know. You didn't put the work in. Art is work. Okay, so what if enjoying your life is an art? So what is the work? What is the work that makes you a good artist at enjoying your life? Well, we got some clues right there in what the teacher said. The teacher said, he said, in the midst of all your toil and all that kind of stuff, he says, you have to be able to do something that not very many people can do, and that is to accept your lot there is a paradigm shift that you have to make if you're gonna learn how to enjoy your life and you can I am convinced you cannot enjoy your life if you don't learn this paradigm shift are you ready the paradigm shift goes like this my life is not happening to me my life is a gift to me from love himself and you're like well what if my life sucks I know Sometimes your life sucks. Sometimes there's really, really terrible stuff happening, and you didn't plan it, and you didn't want it. This is the paradigm shift that we have to be able to make. You can't enjoy your life until you can realize, my life is not happening to me. My life was given to me, is being given to me by love himself. And he knows stuff about me and about life and about the world that I have no idea about, and he knows what he's doing. You have to start there. You have to learn how to accept your lot. It's like you have to settle something in your mind. This is what you have to settle. This is my life, and I don't get theirs or hers or his. I get mine. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get a better job or go back to school or learn a new skill and do some things, get healthier or anything like that. It doesn't mean you can't grow or develop or change some things in your life, but it does mean you only get yours. Here's, now look, we've been, I know I'm not Pastor Hammond, but we've been real quiet so far. I'm gonna give you a chance here in a second, okay? You cannot enjoy your life if you want theirs, okay? Amen. You cannot enjoy your life if you want their life over there. That's not the way that works. You've got to settle something in your mind. That word, when it says to accept their lot, That word lot is used a ton in the Old Testament. And it's always, it's translated other things like uh, property, uh, boundary, territory, share. Your share in this. Your territory. Your property. This is your life. And not only that, this is the season that you're living in. Not only that, this is the day that you get. What if you got really skillful at making today the best day of your life? And it starts right here. You have to settle it. You have to settle this in your mind. I get my life, not hers. I get my life, not his. You got to settle it. Okay, another thing he said in that scripture in in chapter 5 was, so not only do you have to be able to accept your lot, but he says that God gives them the ability to find satisfaction in all their toil. To find satisfaction. I looked this up. This is really cool. That phrase, find satisfaction, is almost identical to a phrase that's used in the very beginning of Genesis when God created everything and it said, and he looked and he saw that it was good. That word find is a word that is also translated to search or to look or to see. And that word satisfied is just the Hebrew word tov. It's like, it's good. Like, yeah, he said it's good. He looked at what he made and he said it's good. That is a skill. To be able to settle it in your mind, this is the life I get. And then to be able to look at your life and and find and search for and look for what's good. And if I were you, if I was sitting in those red chairs and somebody was standing up here and telling me that, I would be like, are you giving me some flaky nonsense about finding a silver lining? (laughs) Yes, I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. To learn how to look at your life. Look, you wanna, let's, let's pump it up, make it a little bit cooler. You are Indiana Jones and you are on a treasure hunt today, following the clues for the coolest part of your day, your favorite part of today, the part of today that's going to just blow your mind. Okay, become Indiana Jones, follow the clues, learn to find satisfaction in all your toil and all the confusion and all the problems and everything else. I'm learning how to look for what I like. So here's a really important question, and this is super important because I think a lot of people don't. Do you know what you like? Like, do you know what makes you happy? Do you really know what makes your heart warm, what fills you with joy? Um, If you don't even, if you're like, man, I don't know how to do that silver lining stuff. I don't know how to search for, you know, going a treasure hunt each day for the, the thing that's good in my day. My life is just, I'm just making it through my life. Okay, can I give you a place to start? I've been reading and thinking about Ecclesiastes almost every day since June, and I've really been trying to learn how to get better at enjoying my life. And some days it goes pretty well, and some days you can ask my wife or my kids, it doesn't go as well. But one of the things that I've been doing is I've been really trying to find the thing that I enjoy. And when I was struggling to do this at first, I did a thought experiment, which was, I'm going to start, instead of just going forward and looking for the thing that I'm enjoying, I'm going to go back and try to remember So if you're having trouble with that or that doesn't come naturally to you, then this week, can I give you a challenge, which is take some time, go on a drive or a walk or or something like that, turn your phone off and think back through your life and think about some moments that you truly, truly loved. Moments where God just made you happy. Moments where you could testify, God has been good to me. And by the way, they don't have to be huge, amazing things that everybody would think is great. They could be little things that other people think are stupid, but you really, really like. Like when I was doing this, this thought experiment, this week especially, I was thinking back on my life and I realized something that some people are gonna think is so cheesy and stupid, but I don't care what you think, okay, and that is every time that I've been in a theater and, that, and the pitch black screen has light blue letters on it that says, a long time ago, <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. And I know that in about three seconds, an orchestral fanfare is going to obliterate my brain with joy. Every time I've been in that place, I'm like, God, you're so good to me. And I don't care what you think about that. Thank you for the amen. I appreciate that. I was thinking about my life this week. And, and y'all, this is, this is the absolute truth. I can remember exactly where I was on my seventh grade Oak or paper route when my, and my Sony Walkman and my dubbed... Uh, you know, on a Memorex tape from from Morgan Wilson in art class, my dubbed copy of Pearl Jam's Ten. When when through the cable into those terrible headphones that would pull your hair. Do you remember those, the little wire headphones? The very first time I heard Mike McCready's opening guitar riff to the song Alive, I'll never forget it. It absolutely changed my life. I don't I don't even know if you know what that feels like, but I was like this. A new thing has happened. My life was going this way, and now it's going this way. (laughs) I remember exactly where I was when this happened. I can remember um, uh, the summer before senior year of high school. It was the first time I came to Christ Community, and they said, hey, we're not ready to start worship. They're going to have a Sunday school over in that hallway over there. And I went into that hallway, and I sat down at this table, and I saw her for the first time. (laughs) I mean, come on, (laughs) y'all. Learn how to look back at your life. I can remember freshman year of college, uh, Charlie Job and I took Tom's mid-80s uh, BMW 3 Series up to Boone, North Carolina to see our buddy Keith at App State. And we went to watch this terrible, amazing, terrible, amazing kung fu movie at the movie theater there in Boone. And it got out at like 1.30 in the morning, I think. And we didn't know, but it snowed like three inches while we were in the movie theater. And we were like, well, there's nobody in this, in this parking lot. And we've got this BMW. <laughs> we might as well do snow donuts for like an hour and a half (laughs) I think we left the transmission in Boone but it was worth it I'll never forget that summer after freshman year nobody in my um, immediate family had ever left the country and Christy took me to China nobody in my whole family had ever left these shores and I was standing on the Great Wall of China and I'm like wow this is absolutely unbelievable 22 years and 10 days ago And some of y'all were there. When the rain stopped right before the ceremony, and that mist started coming up off the ground, and she walked down the aisle, and we made our vows. And I remember, um, so that our wedding reception was catered by Miss Becky and Miss Rita, Kathy Jenkins, and and Kim Reed. And uh, (laughs) it's the best catering in the business. I asked Austin and Eli, I'm like, how are y'all feeling about about going to college and they're like well we know the food's gonna suck because we've been raised on nana's food and um anyway uh, it was a couple of years ago becky and i were talking and she said you know i've been to and done a ton of weddings but wow christy was a princess yes she was miss becky she sure was I'll never forget, of course, you know, holding our babies the first time. I mean, I'll I'll never forget, this might sound stupid to y'all, but it it was huge to me that Christy and I went to the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville to see Nickel Creek, and they came out for their encore, they unplugged their instruments, they walked past their mics to the front of the stage, and they sang in perfect three-part harmony, Be Thou My Vision, in that hallowed hall, and it was silent as a stone. It was amazing. I'll never forget when my dad and I took Jack to the Mecca of college football the big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, so we could watch the Victor's Valiant absolutely destroy Indiana's desire to play the game of college football. (laughs) But before the game started, I had the aisle seat in this amazing stadium, and um, we all stood up to sing the national anthem, and there was a little old couple that was walking down the stairs right as we right as the, as the music started. And so the lady stopped, and she stopped right next to me. And I was singing the National Anthem like I always do. And this little old lady sang harmony beside me perfectly, a third above the melody, the whole time. And when we did the Home of the Brave and 115,000 people lost their minds and started cheering, she turned to me and said, well, that was rather lovely, wasn't it? <laughs> and I said, yes, it was. And then she walked down to her seat. I'll never forget um, when Nora and I went to see Les Miserables at the Tennessee Theater. (laughs) And Jean Valjean sings, Bring Him Home. And she grabbed my hand, and I could just feel it shaking. And we're bawling our eyes out. And you couldn't hear anything but Valjean begging God for, you know, to save this boy. Um, And I remember being on stage in Spain with Anna as we sang the bridge. To one of my songs in Spanish and taught 120 Catalonian kids how to sing it with us. I'll never forget this one time, the first time that I went to that Young Life camp in Spain, and some of y'all will be surprised by this because you know me, um, but we did a 10-mile hike up into the foothills of the Pyrenees, and we had to sleep outside. Um, why people do that? But like, So I'm in a sleeping bag on the grass-covered courtyard of a church that was built in 1609. And at like 5.55 in the morning, I was just awake. And I don't know if you've ever done this. Like, I wasn't groggy. I wasn't struggling. I was awake. And I literally, in my heart, said, Lord, is that you? And he was like, yes. Get up. I've never been so sure of anything in my entire life. I got, uh, I got up on this wall that he was like speaking to me. I got up on this wall and I sat on it, the wall of a church built in 1609 and watched the sunrise over the Pyrenees by myself. Well, not by myself. It was me and Jesus. It's like, are you kidding me? I'll never forget this time that um, I was at Salsarita's with Tom and Potts. <laughs> Tom and Potts and Potts's brother, Michael, and Michael said a thing to Tom. And it made Tom laugh for 10 minutes without breathing. <laughs> I've never seen someone laugh that hard. And you know when somebody's laughing so hard that you just can't stop laughing. And we, I mean, it's like at the end of it, we didn't even, it was like, what are we even laughing about? I'll never forget how many times it's happened that you're in the, par, you're in the car with Pots, and there's a song on him with a groove and a beat to it, and he pumps his brakes to the beat of the music. <laughs> And if you've never done that, if you've never experienced it, then go somewhere with pots and then turn on Push Your Love Girl by Justin Timberlake. Or, Or Love on Top by Beyonce. That'll do it too. And every time that she magnificently changes the key, he just goes up and up and up and loses his mind every single time. I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know when you just have a bite of food and you put that food inside your face and you just want to weep. And I was with my two childhood best friends at an Indian restaurant in Jackson Heights in Queens. And I put that first bite inside my face and I just began to weep. And Apoorv was like, are you okay? And I was like, I've never been better. (laughs) If you don't know how to search for what's gonna be the best moment of today, then start by looking back over your life and ask God, remind me, remind me the moments that totally changed everything for me. I can remember being at Sharptop Cove one year and it was the day after we told kids It was the day after we told kids why Jesus died on the cross and how they could just say yes to him and he would forgive all of their sins and they would have a place in heaven forever and God would be their dad. And one of the high school guys in my cabin came up to me in the dark and said, are you kidding me with this message? And I was like, what? And he was like, no one's ever told me this before. He was like 16 years old. No one's ever told me this before. And I was like, it's pretty good, isn't it? And he was like, it's great. And I was like, well, how do you want to respond to it? He was like, Who wouldn't say yes to this? He said, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, it is the greatest thing you've ever heard. Look back at your life and remember when God just blew the doors off of your life. First, got to settle it. This is the life I get. I'm going to have to accept my lot. And you might have to go through repetitions because enjoying your life is an art and you got to get better at it through repetition and practice and work. Settle it and then search for it. Start to look for the moments that are beautiful and fun and sweet that God is giving you as a gift because your life is not happening to you. Your life is a gift that love himself is giving to you. Amen? Amen. But there's one more piece to this after settling it, after learning how to search for it, the teacher says, now, eat your food and drink your wine and live with your wife that you love. He said, always in chapter nine, he said, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a cheerful heart and live your life with your wife who you love. Always be dressed in white. Always put oil on your head. God already approves of your works. Enjoy your life. Food is for flavor, and music is for singing. And you know, that that mate that you love, they're for smooching and things. You know, like, enjoy your life that God has given you. Your friends are for hugging and laughing with. Music is for dancing. Don't roll your eyes at dad jokes. Laugh at them. What's wrong with you? We're doing the best we can. Don't roll your eyes. Life is too short. Just laugh with us. You know why you should never date a tennis player? Love means nothing to them. See, I already heard some Oh, Look, I was trying to help y'all. I was trying to help y'all. Look. Food is for flavor and hugs are for enjoying and music is for singing. Sing along, order the fries. If you have some like, you got some clothes or something that you love, enjoy them. When you put them on, enjoy them. And here's the kicker. And here's where it gets really, really good. F.B. Mayer, a pastor that I love, um, um, he, he he preached in London around the turn of the 20th century. And he said, every time anything lovely happens to you, if you hear a bird song or the sun comes out or anything lovely, he said you should thank Jesus for that as if he were giving it to you personally. If the weather clears up in time for us to have our softball World Series, then Joe Penley should say to Jesus, I believe you orchestrated all of the weather in the world for me because softball World Series is my favorite thing. That's the way that we should do that. You should start this little conversation, having settled it, this is the life I get. And starting to get better at searching for the things that God is giving you. That every time you enjoy something, you thank him as if he wrapped it up as a present and gave it to you personally. By the way, you know who was really, really good at this? Jesus was really good at it. You know he uses the language of weddings all the time when he talks about heaven and the kingdom of God. And really, when you look at those verses from chapter nine in Ecclesiastes, always wear white. You know, put the oil on your head, uh, enjoy your life with your wife who you love, and eat the food and drink the wine and all that stuff. That's really wedding talk. It sounds like a wedding reception. And by the way, weddings are ridiculous. Like wedding receptions are totally ridiculous. This is not normal life. And I should know. I've done like 45 weddings. Okay, and. And, and some of y'all's, and some people in this room, some of y'all's wedding receptions have been some of my favorite nights in my life. I'll never forget, you know, I'll never forget Thomas dancing with uh, Bun Y to, you know, to Genuine. What song was it? Pony. Pony. Yeah. <laughs> never forget that as long as I live. Or at Joe and Kristen's when we did the, when we did the, you know, the square dance and, and. Uh, <laughs> At Tyler and Lauren's when Lauren came out of line where they were going to introduce her and looked at the DJ and said I told you nothing but bangers because he dared to play some James Taylor or something like that she was like I don't want nothing but dancing hit the bangers you know it was just great but Jesus talked about weddings when he talked about the kingdom of God. Jesus knew how to enjoy his life. Let me prove it to you? Check this out. Here's our sequence. Luke chapter 9. Okay, In Luke chapter 9, Luke says that Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, he knew all of the tragedy, all of the pain, all of what he was about to walk into. And Luke says that he set his face like a flint for Jerusalem. Like an arrow coming out of a bow. He settled it. This is what's going to happen. I'm going there. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to do it. Luke chapter 15. He says, he tells a story about how every single human heart is a runaway heart. Despite how much he's loved us, despite how much he's given us, despite how much we have in him, every heart has run away. But he goes looking for it. And when he finds it, he says, rejoice with me. I'm glad. I'm partying. And it's like, you're not mad at us? No, I know how to search for what I want in this. I wanted you. He set his face like a flint. He settled it. He said, Rejoice with me. I'm throwing a party. I'm searching for what's good in this. And then Luke chapter 22, to close out the progression, his last night with his guys. He stands up at dinner and he says, I have eagerly desired to share this Passover with you. Actually, you know what he says in the original language? He says, I have desired with desire to share this meal with you. I know how to eat a meal and love it. I know how to savor my time with my friends. I have been looking forward to this moment and I'm going to figure out how to enjoy it. We're going to take communion now. And as we do it, sometimes, and we've talked about this before, but sometimes communion has this I don't know, it has this sad air to it because we're remembering that Jesus died for us. We're remembering that he laid down his life, that he spilled his blood so that anybody who wants to can say yes to the offer that Jesus makes and they can have a new life in him. Your sins forgiven, a place in heaven, God is your dad, a whole new life. Anybody can have it, you just say yes to Jesus, that's it. And we're remembering that and so sometimes it has this sad feeling. But can I encourage you to do something different with this today? This is a meal that Tom has reminded us a lot. lot. The word Eucharist means the good joy. This is about joy. We're remembering the one who desired with desire to have us, to go out and find us and bring us home and party with us. He settled it. He knew how to search for it. And he savored it. And now we get to come and remember all we have in him. And I encourage you to enjoy it, to savor it, that you have been loved like this. We don't ask that you're a member of Christ's community or anything like that. We just ask that you know that you have said yes to the offer of Jesus, that he, you've believed in him and he's come into your heart and changed your life. And if you never have, you could do it right now and then come up and take. We invite you to come.
1: Jesus, lover of my soul, let me fly, let me fly. While the near waters roll While the tent is still as high Hide me, O my Savior, hide On. hangs my helpless soul on me. leave out, leave me not alone, still support and comfort me. Raise the fall and cheer the faint heal the sick and lead the blind reach me.